0: welcome to This is the Story of Podcast, a podcast where we believe the stories from everyday people and leaders should be told. I am your host, Ben Hakama, founder of Illuminate Wealth Management. This week, our guest is Danielle sirkin a certified financial planner and founder of Well-Spent Wealth Planning. She is a blog contributor for Forbes, is on the National Board of Directors for the country's leading association of fee-only financial planners, and in 2017, won the national new professional award from napfo danielle and i have been in a peer group for almost a decade and i'm looking forward to sharing her story with you this is the story of danielle Serkin. danielle i'm so excited to have you here <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ben. Nice to talk
0: to you. As <laughs> always, we don't talk
1: every other day. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. So, as you heard in the intro, Danielle uh, is uh, also a CFP and founder of her um, company, and involved in a lot of things. So, Danielle, how did you get started with WellSpent and and in the industry? And go go back as far as you want.
1: Yeah. While I was born? (laughs) No. Um, Well, I kind of feel like it's like two different things. So, you know, the first part is like, how did I even end up in this world of finance? And, um, you know, that is kind of a fun story. I was in college. I, I wasn't this kind of person that like knew what I wanted to do from when I was a little kid. I never really did. And even in college, I was sort of trying to find my way, but nothing really crystallized for me. And so, um, you know, I went ahead and majored in French with a minor in business, having no idea what the heck I was going to do with that. And, you know, people would always say you should teach. And I would say, well, I don't want to teach kids. I want to teach adults. Um, but anyway, so I graduated and I needed a job. And at that point, the only requirement was that it paid money. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I, I went, um, and sort of inadvertently responded to a temp agency ad and the first temp job that, and only temp job that I ever took with that company was, um, to fill in for an administrative assistant at a wealth management company. And so, um, you know, I was supposed to basically be there for 90 days to, you know, fill in for this person who was out on surgery leave. And I ended up being there for like nine years. So, um, yeah.
0: Nice. at what what point did you learn what wealth management was
1: (laughs) yeah oh i like i vividly remember going around like my first day and asking somebody what is a roth ira i had no idea it was like totally totally all new for me um so it was definitely a learning process and i spent about 18 months on the investment side of things um at the admin level and then um a um female financial planner that I worked with kind of took me to lunch and sort of bluntly said, what the hell are you doing in this job? And (laughs) you know, I wasn't really sure what she meant. I, I, Kind of was taken aback at first, but I realized pretty quickly she meant it in a nice way. That like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Is this right. what you want to do, kind of thing. And so she um, was really the first person to talk to me about maybe being a financial planner myself. Um, and so that's the first time I really started to figure out, you know, what is this? Do I want to do this? And you know, when I said yes, I really wasn't a hundred percent sure uh, that I wanted to do this. But I thought, you know what's the worst that could happen? I figure out how to take care of my own money and then go do something right. else, you know? So like not not a lot of downside there. And so, yeah, so I, I started, um, she was really instrumental in helping me kind of get the position of like associate advisor. It was the first one the firm ever had. And so I sort of shifted at that point and then, um, you know, kind of worked my way up starting little by little. And, um, you know, the more I did, the actual work, the more I realized how much I loved it. I mean, I loved the analytical part and even though it was super hard for me at the beginning to, to talk to clients and meet with people, I was really nervous and uncomfortable early on. You know, I also grew to love that and like the personal side of it. So it was, um, really, I feel very fortunate that I sort of wound up there, not just because it became this like amazing career that I love, but I, I like happened into one of the best places i possibly could have gone it was like you know entering the industry at the top in my opinion like just in terms of the kind of work they did and the people that were there so it was uh not planned but it worked out pretty well in my opinion
0: (laughs) absolutely and you had people that invested in you and saw things in you you didn't see and um every every business owner everyone i talked to has some similar story of somebody who stepped up and said hey, I see something in you you don't see in yourself and let me help you get there. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, she was great. And she like she was the first person to really train me on any financial planning and everything. And then she retired really quickly after that. So it was like she kind of like groomed me and then left and I was left with the rest of the planners and everything. But um, I had, you know, some really great mentors there. And I mean, just people that still in my mind are like so much more amazing at planning than I, you
0: know, uh, you're doing pretty well. So let's talk (laughs) about that. You, uh, you're not still there. So then then what happened? (laughs) Yeah. So
1: then there's this whole, like, how did I wind up as a business owner thing? And I feel like that's kind of a different story because, you know, I was at this company, I was, um, you know, getting my master's in financial planning and I happened to take this class um, on behavioral finance and the psychology of money. And it was kind of like this light bulb moment of, yeah, you know, people aren't completely rational and they don't just do what makes total sense. And they don't always listen to you when you give them advice. And yeah, that makes sense because they're, you know, real people just like we are and have emotions that are impacting it. Um, So I was kind of like opening myself up to a different way of working and then at the same time, you know, I joined a study group with other advisors, how I met my illustrious podcast host <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> so you've know, known each other for a, a while now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a while, yeah. Yes. Um, and so, you know, getting to know you guys, it was like the first time I ever saw what other people were doing at other companies. And it was the first time I ever saw people my own age in such a leadership role and even in like an ownership role at their companies and that was like really kind of surprising to me um, coming from where i was so it was sort of a combination of like i want to do maybe a little bit different work i want to be a leader i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to have both of those where i was so i made the decision to go somewhere else Um, and then i was there for a while and that wasn't really fitting either so You know, I kind of was at a point where it was like, well, what am I going to do now? Do I go to another place, try to make, you know, door number three work? Do I just stay where I am or do I try to like go out and do something on my own? Mm -hmm. I didn't love the idea of going to a third place. You know, it's hard transitioning clients and and building relationships and then leaving and all of that. Um, And I wasn't 100% confident I could find somewhere but the idea of starting my own business was like so terrifying to me that I really couldn't even fully consider it as a real option at first. Um, And so it was very lucky. I feel because at the same time that this is all going on, I'm like getting more and more into the financial psychology stuff. going to conferences. I was doing coursework with financial psychology Institute and Creighton university and just learning all of this stuff about how money affects us and doing all these exercises to try to kind of learn about my own relationship with money. Cause that's sort of an important premise of all of this is like, you have to sort of go through it yourself to be able to apply it to anyone else. So I was figuring out, I have this whole path that's now contributing to me, not wanting to open my own business. And so, you know, I grew up with like financial insecurity in my life. You know, my parents were divorced and had very, different relationships with money. But I mean, there were definitely like, lights getting turned off, no food situations. I worked full time in college and like, had barely anything to get by. So, you know, not unlike people who have lived through depression or something like that stuff sticks with you. Right. And, you know, it's it basically what I came to understand was like, that stuff was preventing me from being able to walk away from the security of a W-2 kind of job, you know, that felt really safe and um, the alternative didn't feel safe. And at that time, the safety was more important than the potential good that I felt like I could have um, from starting a business. So, you know, I kind of kept working on that, talked to you guys in the study group, hired a life coach, did a lot of work on myself and sort of finally got to a point where that Uh, trade-off felt more doable, you know, I was willing to let go of that security. And it's interesting, because I think a million and one financial planners could have told me that I was totally financially okay to start my own business, right? It would not have made a bit of difference. (laughs) You know, really wasn't about the practicality of it. It was about I was scared, you know. Um, So yeah, I think that's sort of the journey that I took to get to the point where I was at least willing to sort of take up take the risk,
0: step out and, right. you know, start my own thing. So it's, you, you go to the psychology, financial psychology course to teach, you know, clients and, and do better at understanding them and giving them advice they follow. And uh, it seems like a perfect time for you to <laughs> do it on yourself and practice. And, um, you know, I got a, a little bit of the taste of it because as your old firm, um, my wife and I actually hired you to be our advisor too, because just like you had to deal with your own view of money and and how it fits into your relationship and your husband's a business owner too. And so that plays a role. Um, My wife and I have our own thoughts on money and how do you navigate that? No one's robots. It'd be really easy. Our job would be simple.
1: (laughs) If everyone was
0: just a robot, but it wouldn't be be as well. Exactly. (laughs) It wouldn't be rewarding. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be necessary to do what we do. So it's awesome that you are able to to have that kind of empathy with other clients too. And Kristen and I experienced that too. So. Yeah. I
1: mean, there's definitely a humility of like, this isn't a day problem. It's an all problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, and, and problem is not even maybe fair, but it's like, we just all have some things that have, you know, accumulated in our mind about what money means to us and the framework we use to make decisions and all of that. And so, you know, I can't always relate to everybody else's way that they look at life and money, but I can at least like, Except that even if it feels irrational to me, that that's, that doesn't mean like they don't want to have success or they're not trying hard or they don't care. You know, right. even if somebody ignores what I tell them, you know, I, I think like my favorite quote ever um, is from this financial psychology book. And it says resistance is not stubbornness or failure to cooperate. It's feedback. So if somebody's not doing what I've asked them to do, it's not about me saying you're a bad client and you know, come back to me when you feel like listening to what I have said. (laughs) Right. It's about like, okay, what are you saying to me with this? And what do I need to do now differently Mm -hmm. to work through this with you? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And it's, it fits in our business. It fits in a lot of businesses of um, people are not stubborn just because they want to be stubborn or Mm -hmm. don't do it. You ask or suggest there's a lot more going on underneath. Mm -hmm. So in the timeline, we are, Um, a little over a year ago now. So uh, what happened since then?
1: Yeah, um, well, you know, I sort of started my business um, quickly, I didn't get as much time to sort of prepare. So I had to kind of um, pull stuff together. It was uh, not necessarily the um, beginning I would have planned for. And then of course, who knew we would have a global pandemic in our first year. (laughs) (laughs) It's been interesting, but I mean, honestly, it's been amazing. Um, you know, I've been lucky to have some of my clients join me and several new clients come on board in that time. And, um, I have to say like, it dawned on me very recently how happy I feel, um, that I'm not trying to fit myself into a mold that I don't fit in Mm -hmm. and that the people that are around me support me and what I feel is important and what I want to do and the work that's meaningful to me. And, you know, I don't think until I was out of it for like more than a year, could I Mm -hmm. look at that and feel that and um, like have the palpable sense of like how much that was weighing on me before. So it's been really um, personally, rewarding um and you know it's fun to be a business owner with my husband now you know we kind of get each other more I used to come home and be like why are you still working and now I'm like we're both still working all night <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Uh, so that's been fun uh and yeah it's just been amazing to sort of see the business build and force myself to do stuff that doesn't always come naturally to me and you know grow as a person and I've met a ton of like amazing business owners and everything through this year already so um, it just makes me excited for, for what's next.
0: Yeah you're someone of a reluctant business owner that's really enjoying it and getting a lot out of it now and is, is really good and um, for those of you that don't know they're listening so Danielle and I started our companies of very similar times, uh, similar timeline. And so we're kind of building, I'd almost call it sister organizations. And we have our own way of doing things. But at the same time, we're going through some of the same struggles at the same time. So um, can you touch on that at all in terms of the struggles or, or what's been hard since you started?
1: I think the, the biggest like scary moment for me has been like the moment when nobody's calling me to Make an appointment, like when I'm in a prospect desert, and a, that's happened. You know, there have been months where it's like, whoo, phones not ringing, emails aren't coming in. <laughs> right. You know? like, what am I doing wrong? And um, so that's been a struggle. And and you know, I am an introvert by nature, so it's not um, the easiest thing for me to constantly like uh, meet new people. And um, you know, I have like this sensitivity about the used car salesman thing and not yep. wanting to be that um so it's it's been uh easier for me to do that stuff when i know like i really am just trying to get to know people and not forcing anything on anybody um and so what it's kind of become is like a way to meet other entrepreneurs or other mm-hmm. people that i really um, enjoy working with or admire and just want to know more about. And that, that perspective helps me get through that uncomfortability part a little bit more easily. Um, so that's, that's just, I knew that would be my struggle. The biggest struggle when I started my business aside from kind of the on the money part, um, is, you know, just that new client business, uh, situation, but, you know, considering, I think I feel pretty good about where things sit, but, you know, Especially,
0: so you started with a pandemic, so that throws everybody <laughs> off on yeah. best laid plans, right? That's right, that's
1: right. Oh. So, yeah, you know, but our industry is interesting in that sense that a lot of people start looking when they're uh,
0: right. crazy, like,
1: craziness, so, mm-hmm. you know, take the good and the bad. And I don't have any kids at home to, um, you know, try to take care of while I'm doing all this, so I feel pretty darn lucky that that's the case. Yeah. Just my fur babies, of course, and my, uh, <laughs> my kittens that are always running through the house.
0: Well, I know that's one thing that you've shared with me that you're excited you have time to, you know, foster kittens, and, and just share that a little bit, just because I know it's important to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love animals. I If I was going to do anything, I thought I'd be a vet, but then I'm like, I can't deal with, like, the yucky parts and the dying parts. so this is like a great way for me to be around animals support them um and it's also like a loophole because my husband said no more animals so I'm <laughs> <have my dog. laughs> and like no more and i'm like but what about fostering because they're only here temporarily that's right <laughs> so,
0: he, he said yes not knowing what he was saying yes to right
1: <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, so yeah we have anywhere from you know three, two, seven kittens and cats around here, um, not including the two of ours um, at any time. So it's been fantastic, though. I love it. It's, and being able to be at home has allowed me to do that. So it's just a really nice little fringe benefit.
0: It's great. So um, going back to the business, you, I know you spent a lot of time um, trying to figure out who your your perfect ideal client, who fits you and your style and you can really serve. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So I feel like the perfect client for me is somebody who is a natural saver, but is looking to sort of grow that sense of financial security and confidence around money. Um, so, you know, I provide financial knowledge and personal support And part of that is to help people find out if they're on track and how to keep more of their money and save on taxes and all of that. But the other part is to grow that sense of security so that they can have confidence to go out and spend money on the things that make them happy. Um, It seems like that message resonates a lot with women um, and in particular women who are um, kind of either have been or are now responsible for their financial success Um, so that's not to say that that's all that i work with but um, Mm -hmm. it does seem to sort of strike a chord there in terms of needing that maybe extra little bit of um you know support to feel like you can go out and buy that second home or go out and retire or you know help Mm -hmm. your kids pay for their kids college or whatever the thing is
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in our industry of should you have a very targeted group of people you work with or do you kind of are a generalist, which is what most people are, that you work with a lot of different people. Have you done anything um, in crafting how you work with your clients that kind of fits into, you know, that niche and, and focus a little bit?
1: Well, I guess uh, I would say sort of the approach that I take with people, sort of the, the length of time we go through getting to know them, talking about who's important, uh, what's important, getting to know what their personal background is with money and, you know, kind of trying to understand if there's anything that jumps out there. And then, you know, I've heard it described as like an iceberg that, you know, the client sees maybe like 5% of what you're doing, but there's a lot that I'm doing that I really hope no one ever notices because Mm -hmm. it's not meant to be flashy. It's meant for me to be talking to them in a way that does not feel judgmental. It's meant for me to allow them just to talk and to have someone to listen. Um, You know, how many of us actually have a lot of people who do that in our lives, you know, Mm -hmm. aren't that many. So I would say, those kinds of things. Um, And then, you know, some coursework and exercises around building that sense of financial security. You know, I would say like my favorite exercise that I do with clients is to ask them and kind of have them walk through, what is your greatest financial fear?
0: Hmm.
1: And then let's pretend that happened. And what does life look like if that actually happens? Um, But then what do you do next? So, you know, how do you respond to it? How do you cope with it? And then years later, looking back on it, how have things changed? And maybe how, have, how, how would this have affected you? Could it have possibly affected you in a positive way? So it's really about like getting past the thing in our brain where we're just so focused on the thing we're afraid of instead of realizing that like we're very resilient people and uh there are often lots of things that we can do to improve our situation even if it's not what we hope it would be Mm -hmm. um and you know that you can move forward from it and that some things aren't tied to money you know there are some things that you will have whether you are broke or wealthy you know your relationships and things like that so anyway all that kind of stuff just um hopefully goes toward like building that ultimate sense of calm and, you know, resiliency and and confidence there.
0: So you get really uh, soft and things that people probably don't associate with a financial planner. Uh, I mean, do you get pushback from clients?
1: I mean, I don't always pull these things out right at the beginning. So it's not like everybody goes through this process and I'm asking them what their greatest financial fear is. You know, I'm kind of gauging it based on what I'm getting from them. Um, So I try not to put it on folks if that's not kind of where they're at. Um, And sometimes it's just better for us to work together for a while to build trust first. But honestly, I'm still talking a lot about cash flow and taxes and retirement. (laughs) Right. You know, like there's still plenty of practical, um, make a rock contribution kind of stuff going on um, that we're doing too. So, hopefully, even though I talk a lot about the emotional part, the practical part is just as important to me and takes up probably even more of my time than the other stuff does.
0: Well, I know that that both of us think mental health is really important and and having people. And I know I've learned a lot from you from the way that. Um as you described the the ninety five percent that's under the surface that no one sees and how to read things and i, I remember, <laughs> I went to a therapist earlier this year as I started my business and uh, I immediately picked up on a few things he was doing. That I never would have picked up on if you hadn't taught me the same thing, and uh, and that was actually just really interesting to have that conversation with him because then you know I brought you up and and that side and so if somebody listened to this and they really wanted to reach out, how would they get a hold of you? <laughs>
1: Well, you can go to my website, uh, wellspentplanning.com, make an appointment. You can uh, make a like a networking chat appointment if you just want to get to know me as another professional um, or email me, Danielle Wellspent Planning. My phone number's on the website. I'm always looking and happy to get to know other advisors. Um, you know, one of the things that I love the most i mean is the other people in our world Um, Mm -hmm. and the adjacent worlds. you know there's a lot of uh, industries that touch what we do too so it's not just other advisors but yeah so that would be that would be the way
0: great well um i close with every guest uh, with the same question which is when you know we're in a world that um, there's a lot of negative news a lot of uh, reason to be fearful for the future Um, but what is something that gives you hope when you look ahead, uh, whether that's personally, whether that's globally, however you want to answer it.
1: Well, it's Chipotle Friday here at Wall Street. (laughs) So that I'm looking forward to.
0: That's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the, uh, you know, superficial immediate sense. But um, yeah, I I would say like in a larger sense, one is I'm happy in terms of the way our industry is moving, Uh, Mm -hmm. more women and people of color. I think that's super important. But just even in a grander sense in society, you know, I feel like it feels like we're at an inflection point right now. It feels like there's a lot of awareness around racial inequity, income, inequality, climate change, all these things. And, you know, sort of knowing the process by which people change, the most, you know, critical piece is that you become aware of the problem. And that's crucial if we're going to move forward. So it it at least feels like we're in a moment where we recognize the problem. And hopefully that is kind of the precursor for some
0: real positive change to happen. Absolutely. Well, that's a great answer. And thanks for being a guest on our podcast.
1: I'm happy to be here, Ben.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of this is the story of podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or other podcast platforms. If you have guest suggestions, you can send an email to contact at thisisthestoryofpodcast.com. You can also find all of our episodes and notes on thisisthestoryofpodcast.com. Our podcast is presented for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice or endorsements. Thank you for listening. Until next time.